Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Shoot the Shit. Uh, this is Will Weiner. We are going to be talking this week uh, from three members of AE Pi throughout the generations. Uh, talk about kind of the fraternity's buggy history, tradition, uh, you know, one of those teams that has definitely had its own ebbs and flows, ups and downs throughout the year, and uh, get, get kind of some of the behind-the-scenes stories with them. Uh, so without further ado, uh, if you all would like to introduce yourselves, uh, and we'll jump into it. Sure, I'm, I'll start, uh, being the old guy here. I'm uh, Jay Kirschenbaum. I am uh, mechanical engineering class of 1990, uh, so I was part of the original chapter of AEPI. Uh, Delta Pledge class, and uh, I was the first uh, buggy chair. Um, had no idea what I was doing when I started, but uh, had a little bit more of an idea by the time I by the time I finished. I was actually only a sophomore at the time. I think I might be next here in, in chronology. Here, uh, my name is Joshua Schmieder. Uh, I am also a Mechie uh, from the class of two thousand seven. Um, joined AAPI and um, actually just after we revived the program. Uh, and I uh, played a, a number of roles, uh, including uh, I was the head mechanic prior to then becoming a, a buggy chair uh, for the following year. So uh, a couple of roles on the team here. Uh, and I'm Les. My name is Brian Humbarger, uh, Materials Science and Engineering, class of 2014 kind of joined after there had been, you know, a loss of membership, particularly in the buggy program. So kind of inherited a little bit of a smaller operation as well. And yeah, was head mechanic and then was chair for a few years and graduated. Well, congratulations on that. Um, sweet. Yeah. So let's, uh, let, let's go a little bit chronologically and then we can start jumping around. But um, I guess Jay, you know, you were mentioning, it was a early in kind of a pie just being on campus and then B right. Totally starting a new buggy org. So I guess a little bit, what were those discussions like and kind of what was it within the chapter that was like, Hey, let's undertake this kind of, you know, really <laughs> ridiculous commitment. Uh, it was, you know, I, I actually probably was not part of a lot of those discussions because I was still a pledge for, a large portion, I, I actually pledged in the spring of my freshman year. And so I was a large, I was a, a, a pledge for a large portion of those discussions. The, uh, the pledge program was a lot longer back then. It was, it was uh, more like most of the semester. Uh, so by the time I was initiated, uh, which would have been mid to late April of, of my freshman year, they had already you know, arranged to buy a, a buggy and uh said congratulations brother kirschenbaum you're now the buggy chair and uh lo and behold uh <laughs> we, we went from there <laughs> there you go was it you know oh sorry go ahead i was i was saying i was thrown in feet first yeah had you expressed interest in it or were they kind of like ah oh, here's a guy he's mecky um <laughs> we need someone to figure this out or how did you was it really just hey this is your job now jay uh, no, actually, I had uh, expressed some interest in it. You know, it was it was also Mecky, you know, guy who, who probably knows some stuff and, and can go off and uh, do some of the research and, you know, potentially do some of the building that's necessary. And so, you know, it was still a, it, was, it was still a small chapter. I have to admit, I don't remember the, the numbers, but we were, you know, not much more than 30 at the most. Cool. And, and so at that point, right, it would have, I guess, been kind of your end, end of your freshman year. So you have plus minus the full summer and school year getting in to prepare for exactly. y'all's first race day, which seems also like a challenge. You're, you're new to the chapter. How much other buy-in did you have kind of from other brothers? And, you know, what was that like in terms of just building a culture in the house kind of from the ground up? Well, there was no house at the time, obviously, but mm -hmm. uh, there was a brotherhood. And, and so, you know, we found, um, you know, I can go into the, the background of the buggy a little bit later, but, you know, there were some people who were, who were very interested. There was one person, maybe two, who had 
uh, participated on a different team at some point in the past, but, you know, as a, uh, mostly as a, as a pusher, uh, not really as on the mechanical side. So it was, you know, we were starting from scratch and, you know, it's a, a little bit of a scary place to be, but there was definitely some help from the, uh, from the, the sweepstakes chair, at least, you know, sort of nudging us in the right direction, if not actually giving us real advice. But uh, we did get some of that. We, there was some help, a little bit of help from some of the other organizations, but not, you know, again, it's sort of like a, you might want to look at this kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, real, here's what you need to do kind of work. Um, so we, we ended up doing a lot of the, the design ourselves and, you know, trying to upgrade the buggy that we bought. Yeah, and who was it you you had bought that buggy from? So we bought a buggy from Ficap for I believe it was about three hundred bucks. Um, there was no shell, there were no wheels. Oh, by the way, a lot of the um, a lot of the safety requirements were changing around that time. Uh, so you know we had to upgrade this buggy um, in order to meet those requirements. So it was it was it was a a challenge, but you know. We were able to roll on race day. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line in the end. Right. So, but it sounds like then you did have to do quite a bit of your own work in terms of just getting it roll ready roll and kind ready, of, yes. Yeah. So, you know, for the, at the end of the semester, um, we did a little bit of research. We were looking for wheels. Um, we found some baby buggy wheels, which yeah, turns out we're not good, <laughs> but uh, over the summer, Jordan Zomick and his uh, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, Jackie Sabatini, or Jackie Zomick now, and Dave Phillips loaded it into uh, Jordan's car, which happened to be a, a station wagon, and drove to uh, David Jacobs' house, who was the new master. Um, he lived in New Jersey and um, had some some decent tools in his basement. There were, I don't know, probably about half a dozen of us who met up there, uh, myself, uh, Jeffrey Cohen, Dave Jacobs, obviously, uh, Jackie Jordan, and uh, Dave Phillips, um, and all met in, in Dave's house in uh, Morristown, New Jersey. And so we we worked on the buggy for a while. Uh, we had someone come in and actually it was aluminum, uh, so we had someone come in and actually weld us a uh, a roll cage, which then we we were able to attach via cotter pins, if I remember correctly. Um, in order to make it safe, um, took it to, and, and we also reworked the entire front of the buggy. So if you look at pictures of the buggy, it's a real funny looking angled thing because there were new rules on, um, windshields at the time and the old windshield, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't up to code. Um, we didn't get a, uh, we didn't get a shell with it either. It was really just the base of the buggy that we got. So we had to, to build that, um, you know, later in the year, we actually ended up figuring out how to get a shell on. And it was a, uh, it was made out of a, a polyurethane. So a polyurethane sheet that we bent over the, uh, the roll cage and, you know, riveted on. It was, uh, you know, the, the, the proverbial uh, bailing wire and duct tape kind of thing. <laughs> right. And and I guess kind of was that, uh, I guess, culturally speaking, sort of the, the spirit of a pie buggy at that point, just kind of like, let's figure this out. Let's have fun or sort of what, what was the, the vision and the goals and the house around it all? It was. I mean, it was really just to, to be able to compete. I mean, that was a real goal. Um, you know, we knew that we weren't going to win. We knew that we didn't have, we definitely didn't have the best pushers. We didn't have the best buggy, but we wanted to compete. We wanted to, you know, be involved with the big boys, so to speak. You know, we, we were able to, I don't even remember where we stored the thing. We found a, a locker on, uh, on campus in a garage somewhere, uh, that we were able to store some of our material and do some of our work. Uh, at times it was, uh, it lived at, uh, at somebody's house in some, in a garage and we were able to, uh, to use that, to do work on it. Hmm. Um, we never rented a truck. We actually, uh, Chuck Janchill, who was one of the brothers at the time, uh, had a van. And so we used the back of the van as our truck. Wow. Wasn't much space. 
But right. then again, we weren't that sophisticated. So <laughs> start from somewhere. That, that always is interesting to me about, you know, teams, especially in, in kind of that era where, you know, they didn't have a centralized space or a house. And it's just kind of this hot potato of a buggy from location to location and like how you're able to make it, you know, work with such detailed engineering without really any facility of note. You know, it, it was a lot of fun. It was challenging. You know, we did break three minutes, which, you know, is something. <laughs> right. That was Barely. The, the big goal. But you did. We um, did. Um, you know, we, we ended up, you know, that first time in New Jersey, we took it to Jockey Hollow, which is a, a state park, I think it's a state park, uh, not far from where uh, Dave Jacobs lived. And it was a little hill. And so uh, Dave Phillips, who was the, the little guy, got in and we sort of lashed him in with ropes. It wasn't a real harness or anything at that point. There was no uh, roll cage on it yet. We had gotten the front welded, but uh, hadn't gotten the full roll cage together. And he, we sort of tied him in with some ropes and uh, he went down the hill on these buggy, these, these, uh, there's basically a, a buggy wheel, baby buggy wheel with spokes and a, a two inch tire, uh, which, you know, like I said, did not roll very well. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, we actually found some uh, soapbox derby wheels, which were not the old steel ones, but actually they had a, a newer composite one. Uh, did some work on bearings, so got bearings that were better. Rigged up a, a steering system. It actually was a it was a tricycle, but you know, two in front, one in back. Uh, the brake itself was really just the driver pushing a a, a piece of steel against the back wheel, um, which you know, it it passed all the cape tests and passed the push tests. I'm not quite sure how, but we did. <laughs> um, managed to get it through race day. That's awesome. What was, I mean, it sounds like obviously you took a lot under your, uh, under your wing, under your belt to make it happen. How was kind of participation throughout the rest of the house, you know, being that it's a smaller house, being that you all were, were brand or sorry, I keep using house. Obviously there wasn't a physical house, yeah. uh, but within the chapter, yeah. um, in terms of, right, it, it takes a lot of people to make a buggy team go. Uh, how was the buy-in with that? It, it really wasn't bad. It was quite good, actually. People were excited. Uh, you know, obviously, when you go out for rolls and go out for push practice, you have to have flaggers and people who would move hay bales and sweepers and, you know, all of that. And we were able to uh, to get enough people on any given night to uh, to participate. Um, you know, we didn't roll, you know, as you can imagine, I don't think we, if I remember correctly, we did not roll in the fall at all. Uh, did roll in the spring, pushed in the spring and just, you know, got ourselves qualified just by the skin of our teeth. Like I said, it was a challenge. Sure. I, I can imagine, especially too, cause that was right. Those late eighties, early nineties, kind of the heyday of you know these these spirit and pika rivalries and kind of all that lightning out there like you mentioned it sounded like people were fairly uh, friendly is maybe not quite the right word but open to kind of helping you out but how did it feel just kind of being in that buggy moment and sort of being you know on the bottom rung of everything like what was the reception like was there much interaction with the larger community uh not a ton. I mean, you obviously, you know, went to all of the uh, appropriate uh, appropriate buggy meetings and, uh, you know, participated that way. But, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of, we were invited to a lot of different parties. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Interesting. And then you said you were only involved, right, for a couple years. Um, kind of how much longevity was there to kind of that initial push um, of kind of your first generation of AEPI? Did they build a, a buggy, you know, anytime in the preceding years after you? Or Not for a while. I mean, a after I left, we really couldn't afford it. I mean, it was, it was a stretch for us and you know, we decided to focus on booth and not do buggy. It was, you know, more of a challenge 
know, you had to have 10, 15 people available on any given night, you know, and that was, that was hard for us. Uh, so, you know, we'd gotten a little bit smaller because, um, you know, after my sophomore year, a lot of the original founding fathers had left and you know, we're still growing slowly, but not, you know, we'd lost a large number of people. Right. Especially if right half the chapter is required to be at roles or whatever. And, yeah. you know, we can talk about this a little later on, but, you know, some of these other fraternities are like recruiting buggy athletes and all that stuff. I imagine that probably was not, you know, your first criteria when, when looking for brothers and, you know, it's, it's one of those weird challenges faced by a lot of fraternities is, you know, you want someone who's going to be a good brother and fit the fraternity culture. And then also, Oh yeah. Are you down to wake up at 6am on Sunday and do this whole wacky sport that, um, you know, I can imagine may, may be at odds. Um, let's jump forward in time a little bit. Um, I guess, Josh, if you want to talk a little bit about kind of your coming in, um, the revitalization or revival or whatever we'll call it, uh, kind of happening there in AEPI and, uh, you know, what, what kind of led up to, to that and, and where, where you all went with it. Sure. Um, you know, it's fascinating to listen to Jay because, you know, there's so much overlap and, and some things never change, whether it's, you know, pushers or parties or the focus on booth, um, you know, all of those definitely resonate with me. And, you know, I, I think I took over maybe a similar point as Jay, only a fast forward moment, um, uh, but perhaps a, a little bit further along in the process, I inherited uh, something that was already, the re revitalization had already started. Um, and um, and I actually think, I'm pretty sure, 99.999% sure the buggy we inherited was that very buggy Jay you were describing. Um, so pretty sure that was the buggy. So to your question about whether there was any additional builds, I don't think there was between our two, um, 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I, uh, I also was a spring pledge. Um, my introduction to buggy, I kind of knew about it, you know, we're on campus, you hear people talk about it. Um, but you know, I was a freshman, I had a million things I was bombarded with. And as a, yeah, I think I might've even still been a pledge. I can't remember, but basically uh, someone, you know, woke me up. You know, said, are you, you up for getting up early? I said, sure. I'm, you know, I, I'm curious. I like to learn about different things. I said, great. And so I show up at the Hill at, you know, five in the morning or whatever it was. And someone hands me a flag and says, you're going to use this. And I'm like, oh, well, sure. Okay. Uh, is it hard? <laughs> um, and keep in mind, right. I, I know I'd never attended a buggy roll or anything. It's certainly before any spring carnival I'd ever been to. Uh, and so I started out as a flagger. That was my intro in the spring. But, you know, the uh, pledge program was shorter at the time. So I was a, a brother pretty early on, relatively speaking. Um, and I loved it. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it. Anyone that loves Buggy probably feels the same way. Something about the energy. I mean, when I, I was a tour guide at Carnegie Mellon, and what I used to tell prospective students is, Anything that gets, you know, hundreds of, of college students out of bed at 4.30 in the morning on a weekend, uh, there's got to be something special. And I, and I certainly resonated with me. So I immediately fell in love. And, um, you know, when, when, I, when we rolled that first spring, that was, I think, I want to say it was the first spring back in action for a while. Um, I wasn't chair at the time, uh, but I was, a, you know, a new member. And I, it just was really exhilarating. And so I very quickly took a, a major role in, in, um, in, in the program. Right. Yeah. I think 2004, it looks like there was a gap of about seven years there or so beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the first year was very much just, yeah, and this is not even me, right? This is before I was chair. That first year when I was brought in was about starting to build the excitement, um, we also were, again, at a smaller point in our history. I can't remember the membership size, but I would put it in the high 20s, if I remember correctly. And that's the overall. And you've got Greek Sing, you've got Buggy, you've got Booth. You know, Booth has always been the the other side of the, the conversation. I see Brian nodding. It might be, uh, I'm assuming that continued after I left. Um, but, you know, I had the fortune, the good fortune 
that my tenure also overlapped with some incredible growth with API. And so as a house, I want to say, uh, don't, well, don't, I say, don't quote me on this, but it's literally being recorded. So I am, <laughs> uh, but don't quote me on this. Uh, I want to say when I graduated, we were probably a house closer to 50 people. And mm. so that, you know, provides a lot more bandwidth for supporting multiple things at the same time. And so not that there wasn't a, debates over what things to prioritize, especially when it comes to budget and things. But at the end of the day, more members equals more budget equals more people to participate in more things. And that certainly was a, a, a fortunate moment for me. Uh, and I, you know, the, that, that, that good luck of having the ability to tap into that uh, as we grew the team. And so my first year as chair, you know, was really exciting and, it, you know, included, you know, getting two, you know, two new drivers. It included, um, you know, plans and actually plans for building a brand new buggy, um, of course, racing uh, the, the buggy we inherited and, and, you know, and cleaning it up. We gave it a new paint job, all sorts of things. So um, just, you know, for us, it was kind of an exciting time, um, although we did face a lot of those same challenges that Jay described earlier. Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, were you in in chapter meetings, like pitching the value of buggy or kind of because it was growing and established, like how did you find yourself kind of within the chapter navigating that? I don't know, quite want to say politics, but like getting people kind of onto the buggy thing or was it really just kind of a natural energy and enthusiasm for the program with the, the brothers? Sure. Definitely a little bit of both. Look, there was, I'd say a core group of us, um, you know, that just brought a great amount of passion to it. Um, you know, I think you probably know Brian Arsham. He's the mm -hmm. one that even, you know, reached out to me to get involved. Um, there was definitely a core group of us where that passion was just there. You didn't need to do anything. Um, and then there was like this next layer of people that, you know, were generally supportive of what we, you know, of the big three, right? You know, Greek Sing, Booth, and Buggy. And so whether or not they had that same level of passion, they enjoyed being part of it and being part of something bigger. Um, but then, you know, again, it required a lot of people to execute, you know, not just race day, but all the practices and all the roles. Um, and again, I, it wasn't 50 members when I, when I was chair, right. That was something that evolved over the, my time, uh, my, my time at Carnegie Mellon. Um, so my, my year chairing, you know, we were still probably in the 30, low thirties range. So I did face those structure struggles. And I think the hardest part was, there was always a debate over what could we require as a chapter, right? Like mm -hmm. you had to have flaggers, you had to have some of these minimum things for safety reasons. And to get that minimum number of people, you know, your, your most passionate people tended to be your mechanics and your pushers and the people kind of doing those day-to-day -day things. But there were these other tasks where we didn't have quite a large enough amount of momentum to actually be able to field uh, all the people we need to, to to execute on roles. And so that was probably one of the bigger challenges I had was navigating that, whether it was with our, you know, e-board, our executive board, mm -hmm. um, which conveniently I was a member of, uh, uh, overlapping both my sophomore and, and junior year, um, which, which was helpful because, you know, I, I was at the table of the decision makers. Um, but, uh, but that wasn't a show in, right. You need membership support. And, and I was just one person on a multi-person leadership team. So, uh, that, that obviously wasn't an automatic thing. Right. No, I'd imagine that's, that's a lot to navigate. Um, I think too, at least right during the year you were chairing for a couple of years, you did have a women's team rolling as well. Was that like partnership with the sorority or sort of how did that all kind of also come about? Cause that just seems like another thing to juggle for, you know, a small house. Yeah. I, and I think that just, uh, and while wow, you're testing my memory and I'm remembering, you know, mm -hmm. I'm suddenly realizing how long ago 2005 is not to, not to put emphasis on anything beyond that, but my memory, <laughs> what I'm really judging here is my own memory. <laughs> but, uh, uh, what, uh, I think that just goes to show that small passionate group that really like cared about this. And we did have in, you know, in, um, in certain sororities that we partnered with for like Greek sing as well. Uh, we built some strong relationships over the years. Um, and, and there were people that wanted to push for us. And when it came, especially once we had two buggies, um, but even when we did have one buggy, um, 
it didn't add as much strain as you might think, at least from my perspective, mm. because we one thing we did have going for us is we had two drivers. Um, and we weren't, our drivers were not from our membership. Um, for one, you know, they were women and we were a fraternity. Uh, and, and two, um, they were actually, you know, our drivers were super passionate about buggy and super excited about, it. I mean, they were part of that group. Um, and actually, frankly, they, they drove a lot of the passion from the membership because it was just so exciting to have people that were so excited about our team. Um, and so, you know, with two drivers and, you know, an external source of pushers and enough mechanics and, you know, whether it's literally mechanical engineers or just people that were excited about being mechanics and building, um, we had enough of that core group that it didn't add too much of a toll to field another pushing team. Uh, because the most of the incremental um, uh, needs were just needing more pushers. And those weren't coming from within, they were coming from without. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it didn't add as much of a burden as it might seem to have, you know, to field a, a women's team. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, makes sense. You know, I guess to kind of compare and contrast with sort of what Jay was saying, was it a similar type of vibe of like, let's just get to race day, let's see ourselves get around the course or kind of like what were the big motivating factors, um, you know, for the chapter and the team at that time? You know, when, before I was a chair, I think that very first year, it was definitely like get to race day. Right. Um, and cause that was our, our first year back in business. Um, at least for my, that was my perception, keeping in mind, you know, the giant caveat here is I was a brand new member. It was spring. So, you know, I'm giving a, I wasn't deep in it as sure. much as the people doing it, but, um, I would say by the you know by the following year and even the the following three years even when I wasn't a, a chair but was participating, um, I would say we weren't you know look we weren't trying to be the best we, you know again a, a, it resonated like you know were we recruiting for the best pushers no not at all uh, it's not that's not something we necessarily were were recruiting for or or expected to have. Um, but it was also, I would say, a little more than just to have fun, right? It wasn't just about getting around the mm -hmm. course. You know, we had our goals. We had, you know, those that we considered peers as far as competition. And we wanted to, you know, we wanted to measure up to some extent within that, within those peers. So were we, did we expect to be number one across the board? No, I think, you know, we all know who those common top of the, you know, top tier competitors were. Uh, and frequently came from organizations that would, you know, recruit for specific things. And that's, that was great for us. It was more about, um, you know, feeling good about where we were competing against ourselves as any runner or track athlete can attest to. It's like, can we, can we beat our previous times? Um, so we definitely aspired to do well and do better. Um, but, you know, we still, you know, we, we weren't coming in thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to take out SDCA on day one. That wasn't sure. That certainly wasn't in the cards and it was fine, you know, because we were having fun trying to compete against ourselves and, and our, you know, and our peers and, and that and we enjoyed that. Yeah. When, when you say your peers, like what what sort of orgs are you talking about? And was there sort of little mini friendly rivalries or whatever of trying to like, you know, jockey to get to day two? And I guess kind of what was that tier of buggy? Like, was everybody friends? Was there still kind of competition knowing you wanted to stack up at that level? You know, I didn't, per, you know, this is just me more probably speaking for myself. Um, um, I didn't feel any particular heavy competition. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, to be totally transparent, you know, it was our A team against others, B or C teams, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it might be, you know, when I say peers, it might not be a specific organization so much as it might be uh, a team within an organization that was, you know, is not necessarily their A team. And that was okay. You know, from my perspective, that was okay with us. It was... It was it was where we found ourselves and we enjoyed. Um, we did have some, you know, in particular during my tenure, uh, I built a, a relationship with the I forget if he was chair at the time or head mechanic. I'm, he had played both roles throughout his time there, but I built a relationship with uh, a, a, a gentleman from Pioneers. Um, and I, I want to say he was chair when I did, but again, may have been a, a mechanic at the time. Um, and and I think we had, you know. We, we were, we were, it was friendly competition, if you will, right? We weren't really outright competing. We weren't giving each other any secrets, but he, he had been in it for a long time and we were new. We were in year two. All of our historical knowledge had been lost. Um, and so similar to what Jay was saying earlier about how the buggy organization would kind of like 
not give you anything they couldn't, but might, you know, just nudge you in the right direction. Um, you know, he was very kind and would just be like, yeah, you know, I, what you're saying makes sense, you know, keep going down that route or, Hey, what you're saying, maybe, maybe, maybe you're barking up the wrong tree. And, and it was just enough that, you know, um, it, it was again, a friendly, friendly relationship, but, you know, still respectful of the fact that we were competing, um, and we were different teams and, 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 uh, uh and want to remain as competitive within our various categories as we could. Cool. I guess let's let's jump to Brian then and get a little bit about kind of those 2010 years or so, if you will, and then we'll start to weave some of the stuff together. But I guess, you know, Brian, you talk a little bit about um, kind of coming out of uh, this era and it looks, you know, just based on number of teams rolling and stuff like that. The late 2000s were kind of, I don't know if you want to say a heyday, but, you know, the most frequent uh, in terms of just or not most frequent, but the largest quantity of buggies being rolled, the fastest times being rolled with AE Pi. Then it tapers a little bit there in the the kind of mid-2010s. But I guess just kind of talk a little bit about the situation you came into um, and how things were kind of moving and the, the, the culture at that point. Yeah. Um, so my introduction to buggy was basically like, I think within minutes of my introduction to AE Pi, like they're pretty inextricable. I... I think was doing a tour or like one of the uh, info sessions for like another buggy organization. And, you know, they, they were nice. They were pretty intense. They had a nice workshop, whatever, what all of that. Um, and then coming back from that, back to Mudge, um, AE Pi was working on Kamikaze, just like on the front porch. And I was just like, huh, they're just, they're just out here <laughs> mechanicking on a buggy. That's awesome. Can I like get in there? Can I see what's happening? They're like, yeah, sure, come on in. So I was uh, recruited to AEPI Buggy like well before I was invited to pledge for AEPI. So this was yeah freshman fall. But to my understanding, there's a lot that like I don't know about the uh, late aughts to early tens. But sure. I think a lot of the the people that were hardcore into Buggy either graduated or left the organization. Um, so we inherited kind of a lot of these relics of old buggies. Um, you know, we had Kamikaze, which is just as, you know, uh, Jake Reed said was a tank. It just rolled no matter what you did to it. And you had a couple of the older buggies that were also very solid, pretty durable, that were very trusty, just a little fewer, uh, buggy people, I guess, in the Mm. organization. If anything, like I think I would say it's about if it was Greek Sing and Booth were kind of on equal playing fields because there were some very intense Greek Sing productions uh, going on at around that time and still some pretty intense booths, but not as much in the way of Buggy, but there was still like a pretty sizable organization. Like I, it wasn't as lean as it feels that uh, Jay or even Josh inherited. Uh, we still had like a good core group of mechanics and a good core group of pushers. Um, yeah, I, but but I think the ethos was still mostly the same in terms of uh, show up to rolls, have a good time, make it to race day, and kind of compete against yourself a little bit. Yeah, I would say that that spirit kind of carried through. Mm-hmm. No, that that makes sense. I, I guess let's talk about you know some race days. Uh... Because a lot of the the stories we will get on here are about, you know, crazy races or stuff like that. But uh, do you all have memories from your own specific race days of just kind of, you know, what it was like or, you know, specific stories just of excitement or heartbreak or whatever that, that you kind of remember and take away from from specific race days that, that you all had had? I mean, my only race day was cold. Hmm. <laughs> it... Uh... Can't remember if it snowed that day or the next day, but wow. uh, you know it was in the 30s during during Carnival that year in in '88. Yeah, so we we huddled up. We, uh, you know, like I said, we were in in a van that you know just sort of an old panel van. Moved our stuff around. Didn't really do much to our buggy. Uh, theoretically, I think we tried to heat up the uh, uh, bearings a little bit, but you know. We're like, okay, people are doing this. Why? Why not? Let's try. <laughs> right. But you know, I mean, we we 
managed to get it up on the uh, get it up on the starting line and and made it around in, in uh, I think it was two fifty something. Yeah, I think uh, two fifty three and a half. Two fifty three and a half. We don't yeah, get the half. Sorry, no. I can only read what's in front of me. Um, yeah, and you yeah, mentioned yeah, though you were down. yeah you were you were yeah. aiming for for sub three. Was there any doubt of it getting around, or like what was that feeling like? Hey, we got a buggy around the course. Was that? It was. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a celebration. It was good. I mean, we we were you know obviously way behind everybody else in our heat. But, uh, you know, we're happy. We, we, you know, we rolled past the driveway. <laughs> I think we might have gotten one window. Not quite sure. <laughs> but we did roll past the driveway. So, you know, it was it was good to see it finish. We, you know, Jeffrey Cohen uh, managed to grab the, uh, the push bar before he went over the finish line, which I know is sometimes a challenge for some folks. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, in our first roll, we um, we barely made it around. As a matter of fact, I don't think we did. We we stopped stopped along the back stretch to avoid hitting a squirrel, mm. <laughs> which of course gave our driver um, her nickname. We called her Squirrel after that. <laughs> you know, like I said, it was it was a community, and it was it was fun, and and you know, it wasn't a uh, you know big heavy side we got through it it was excitement we got through it and we we did it and we we rolled and there were actually some folks who uh who had graduated who wanted to push in exhibitions but if i remember correctly they canceled exhibitions that year uh due to the weather i was gonna say if it's 30 degrees out um yeah 30 degrees a little bit of snow a little bit of rain it did they canceled but sure to say you know when it comes to race day and honestly i was so involved all three years sophomore junior senior that it kind of blends together which was the year i was chair which was the year i was mechanic which so i'm i'm you know uh pardon me if i i don't remember which year is which but i i would say the most exciting race day from my three years was when we when we raced the first buggy we ever built right and it was you know after having you know the aluminum frame buggy you know beast from from years prior uh having a buggy that we built and could take pride in saying we built and seeing it race was just um super super exciting and just again it wasn't you know similar to what both brian and jay said um it wasn't about being the best it was about that pride it was about you know the accomplishment that we uh had as a team um and you know it's not like we had um we didn't we didn't have any blueprints left for us, right? We had to figure this out from the ground up and that was just a huge accomplishment. And so it was just really something we were really proud of to be part of that, that team that, that figured that out. Um, yeah, it's kind of same. I have the, the buggy blur where I was involved all four years. So they all kind of bleed a little bit, but I remember a lot, like just the sense of community coming out, like, everyone that was even tangentially involved with buggy would just kind of stroll by uh we uh someone from the local hillel would come and bring coffee and uh donuts and bagels which were all super appreciated and i think as like kind of in later years we got into the habit of working outside of the truck mm. um and it was always really cool being the org where uh you know like a bunch of kids would come by because alumni bring their families back to carnival and like kids just get really excited and you know ask if they can go in the buggy and of course you know we're between roles we have some time so it was really cool to kind of be the org where people can kind of yeah access buggy a little bit better where it's not kind of behind the the sheets and the tents yeah i remember um because we were mostly just in it to roll and, and kind of give our all and give the best we could. But it was a surprise, I think, when one of our women's teams made second race day. Um, we we're just like, oh, what? Wait, we, we're not done? <laughs> 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 oh, wow. All right. Um, yeah. And kind of a little bit of a scramble to, to get everything back together uh, to, to roll. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was all it was always fun. It was always a rush. And it was just kind of good to, to yeah, to see the hype of it all. We had another 
sorry, we had another uh, like push bar catch, I think my senior year where someone had to dive to catch the push bar, which is, you know, thrilling picture finish. Yeah, there's there's nothing like a runaway push bar. Um, just the photo vision of it. But I, I didn't realize that y'all would, you know, let people look inside the buggy and all that. I think that's super cool. Just like you mentioned a little bit less lately but for so much of the history of the sport it was so shrouded in secrecy and mystery and um you know i think in some ways may have been what turned some people off from buggy is that it was such a heavily guarded cult activity or whatever and it's like there are people in there how does that work you know folks like myself with no engineering or mechanical background like it it looks truly like witchcraft um so i think you know more more culture that uh, allows for some people to just kind of access that and, and see behind the scenes and stuff i think is is cool and exciting i, I think it's one of the things i loved about how a it sounds like it carried all the way through to when brian was chair and it was you know i'm sure you know to the extent true back when jay was chair is one thing i loved about api api's buggy team specifically is we want you know we were relatable right we were there to have fun and we understood like it was such an exciting community event um and despite the intense competition which uh personally i i, I did appreciate that competition very much and it was a uh, even as, like I mentioned before, as a tour guide, it was something I would speak to all the time. But at the same time, there's a whole community out there, right? Mm -hmm. A community of people that aren't in the middle of that intense competition and that appreciate a little bit of that behind the scenes. And and I, I think as a team in general over the years, we were always, you know, we, we always kind of took that more fun and, and, and uh, route. Um, and it was great. And, and I think it, it, it was something we all appreciated during our various tenures. Yeah, buggy is just kind of an absurdist sport. Like it, it's not done or practiced anywhere else. Like if you're taking it just way too seriously, like I get the trade secrets, I get the competition, but at some point you kind of just have to have fun. It is. It is funny. You you sometimes not to name any names. Some of these other organizations, it's like good for you. You're doing well, but like. I guess it's nice to win and maybe this is why I'm not a competitive athlete, but at the same time, it's like, are y'all actually having fun out there? It just seems like you're so miserable seeing, you know, some of these more buttoned up orgs on race day and stuff and they're screaming at people and, you know, far be it for me to tell you how to live your life. But I, I definitely do appreciate the, um, you know, APIs and CIAs and so on and so forth who, you know, you see smiling, which is nice. Well, I think and I think you make the you you hit the nail on the head there, well though, with what you say about like being a competitive athlete. I think, kind of you know, to to each his own, you do you kind of thing. There are people that really are competitive, and that's great, and it works for them. And those organizations that are very competitive attract that competitiveness. And um, I, I I think if that if that's that for those that are in that, it is really enjoyable. And I think the organizations that are less competitive by definition attract people that are maybe less competitive by their very nature. Um, and, and so create just a different vibe that works for them. And, and I think this was the vibe that definitely worked for API and, uh, it clearly has carried throughout the, the decades. Um, and it, it worked for us. And, and personally, you know, that's part of what I liked about it, but I'm far be it from, I mean, before I didn't even know what a football game was until I was in Kilty Band sitting beside my wife explaining to me, okay, so here you go. This is the wide that's a wide receiver. This is what they <laughs> do. This is and I'm like, I didn't even know those positions exist. I've heard of a quarterback. Um and my wife was explaining I mean she was my girlfriend at the time, but you know, she's explaining this all to me while in Kilty Band in the bleachers. So uh it gives you kind of a sense of where I'm coming from <laughs> and why I, I just, you know, personally fit in really well uh within within the particular culture we had created on API's buggy team. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that uh buggy is something really unique and really unique redundant, but you know, is unique to CMU. I mean, I'm in the midst of uh, college tours with my uh, high school junior. And actually I was out on campus yesterday for that matter. You know, we, we did tours. Um, but you know, I, I would ask, you know, at, at some of the other places I went, you know, do you have any fun college, you know, any fun traditions and you know, everything they, they had 
paled in comparison to you know, what we had at CMU with with Buggy and Booth and and Carnival. It, it's something that you you get on campus, and you know, I don't know about immediately, you know, in, in the fall, but you know, it's there. It's throughout the entire campus, and I think that you know whether you're involved in Buggy or not, it's something you hear about, and it's something mm -hmm. you feel going through campus and you know you're wandering you're walking uh you know down towards the library and uh you know there's somebody doing cape testing or trying to qualify a new driver you know it's just it's there and it was a great thing to be a part of now i i do think one interesting thing to pick out of what you just said um you know a minute ago i was criticizing competitive athletes but it is a very uniquely cmu thing where like everybody involved with buggy you know no matter how serious or not you know you're all spending all these hours but it's still fun and i, I feel like that's one of the most cmu ethos types of things or whatever where like you know our fun tradition be it buggy or booth you know involves spending ungodly amounts of hours working to make a thing um which doesn't mean it's not fun because I, I i think it is and it's really cool to see these finished products but i think it is such a representation of what cmu culture is um kind of going off of that I, one question that kind of jumped to mind um in a couple of those responses because we did talk how you know the focus was a bit more you know fun competing against yourself but I guess, you know, one thing that pops to mind is there is the option of, oh, you know, I could join an SDC even though I'm in a pie or whatever. Um, it, was that something that ever was kind of on the table for any of you, given like you dedicated so much to this program's or to this specific house program? Was that any sort of a consideration ever or like a cultural thing with people in the house of like, no, don't go with an independent where, you know, maybe you'll get more stuff on day two but come and do it you know with the chapter i can think of one very specific instance where there is and and i think it goes back to like you know everyone has their own thing and i can think of one individual that was well, during my tenure that was you know really enjoyed the competition right and really enjoyed that aspect of it and wanted wanted to uh, be part of a competitive team um but I, I didn't, it wasn't the norm, you know, I think that it, it also goes back to any organization, be it a fraternity, be it an independent organization, a sorority, or, or really anything in life tends to have a certain culture and tends to start to attract certain members in a certain way. And I think at least at, during my tenure, that's one reason we didn't really run into it a ton is, you know, while we all had our differences, like any human beings have differences, in general, there was a persistent culture um, and we were all very, you know, at least when it came to say buggy, um, you know, we were, we were exactly where we wanted to be. And you found that generally across the organization. So we didn't, we really didn't run into it much uh, at all during, while I was there. Yeah. Somewhat same here. I don't think that there were, um, a lot of people that were interested in joining other orgs, um, I guess. Yeah. Cause if you were doing a pie buggy because you were trying to win you just wouldn't be doing a pie buggy i guess and i don't think that there are enough people that were into buggy enough outside of a pie that they would have joined another organization um the one exception would probably be jake reed who was overall buggy chair at one point or was like on the buggy uh committee um but yeah otherwise i think we were mostly just in it for for each other you know just to be able to help each other out uh, for ridiculous early morning conversations, for making a bunch of pancakes in the kitchen afterward, just yeah, that was the draw. Oh, we did we did scrambled eggs. I didn't realize it evolved into pancakes over the oh, years. Oh yeah, no, we had like a big thing of uh, pancake mix that we just mm. go out and. Oh, that's great. Yeah. We did like the wok size and we would always like uh, Adam, <laughs> mm. Adam used to, uh, he made this giant every time we come back and we, I can't even tell you how many eggs he made. I think we went through like mm -hmm. one of those huge trays that Bob always had. Just Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and Bob was still around too. Um, <laughs> Bob was the house cook or? He was the house cook. Yeah. yeah he was our chef. 
he got rid of his mustache my senior year and i was apparently the first person that noticed oh that's hilarious i can't even <laughs> imagine him without a mustache it's wild <laughs> but yeah we, we also had eggs but yeah we we kind of upgraded it a little bit because uh my mentor in the buggy program mike's ankle um just was very into cooking and was just like we got eggs we got pancakes pick your poison what do you want but I do think, you know, to the earlier point, you know, and I think it's why Buggy was almost like a sub uh, culture within our broader culture, um, where it was like kind of Greek Sing and Booth was on its own tier. And then there was Buggy. And, per, you know, as someone who was actually also a chair multiple years of Greek Sing, um, I, those were always my two of the big three. It was Greek Sing and, and, and Buggy. Um, as someone who was a chair of Greek Sing multiple years and participated in some capacity all of my years there, um, it was just different, right? And 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 I loved both, right? And to me, from my personal enjoyment, loved both. But even I was more competitive when it came to Greek Sing than Buggy. I just there's a different side of me that that would come out in that environment um, versus versus mm -hmm. Buggy. And and I think you saw that even within the house uh, over the years as well. And uh, verse mm -hmm. and Booth was Booth was another one, highly highly competitive um, and. Uh, we would always, you know, I don't know if this is widely known. Um, I assume Jay and Brian, this was true across the board. But you know, when we would sing the our our song, there was a moment where we all have to yell the one of the big three that was most, you know, whatever, whichever one it was. And and some of us, you know, a lot of us had two, but there was always like this booth contingent that was like booth, and it had to be booth. Um, but uh, uh, but then then you know there was the, the that core passionate group of bug ears that were like we're going to be louder even if there's not as many of us, and we were very loud. This tracks. <laughs> very cool. Um, sweet. Well, we're we're getting towards the end of everything I wanted to ask. I guess before I get to my last couple wrap up questions, um, are there any anecdotes or stories or, or, or fun points you feel like I may not have asked about that you think are, you know, worth putting on the record as, uh, you know, capturing the spirit or the heart or whatever of kind of the, the history of the org. I mean, as far as spirit, you know, one of the funnier moments or, or I don't know, funny is quite the right word, but it certainly encapsulates the, the kind of fun spirit that we all had was, I don't remember the exact context. And honestly, my wife was helping refresh my own memory, but uh, yeah, there's a, a guy, Brian Thompson, in our organization at the time. Um, and we were all walking, you know, my wife, uh, Brian, and a couple of us were walking up the, you know, we're, we're in Shenley Park coming over. And we just found a random shopping cart for no particular, it was just there. I, I still have no idea why. And like, Brian comes up with this brilliant idea that now we're going to, we're going to push the shopping cart up hills three, four, and five. Um, and so, you know, he's like, get in, Laura, get in. Uh, and so, of course, she gets in the shopping cart and just like, and, and you know, you all know what three, four and five are like to push. But uh, and, and maybe maybe some of you have had the pleasure of pushing something other than a streamlined buggy with well-oiled bearings that's, aero, you know, not only aerodynamic, but lightweight. Um, at the time, let's just say by the end of it, it wasn't nearly it's already exhausting enough to push a hill. Uh, push anything up that those hills uh, or all three but uh, you know again it's just kind of thing it wasn't even a, it was just kind of this random moment and it was a group of us that were all part you know passionate about buggy that just happened to be together in that moment and it just I think it just goes to, to kind of demonstrates exactly the kind of the feel that we all had and it was just fun and you know what's this challenge let's push a shopping cart up three hills because why not um, and 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 uh, it's those kinds of memories I think we all continue to look upon fondly and and really enjoy. You know, as you as you may know, um, you know the name of our first buggy, the Giant Eagle, was based off a shopping cart. Uh, mm -hmm. The story goes that um, on our founding father's initiation, um, there was a little bit of uh, foreign substances involved, and uh, they found a, a, a shopping cart along the street from Giant Eagle, and uh, Dave Phillips, who was about uh you know five foot three uh hopped in and uh everybody was pushing him and and it was like this is buggy this is buggy this is our buggy and that's how you know how the giant eagle got its name really i forgot that story until you just said it <laughs> <laughs> i read that story and i forgot it until you just said it yeah all right brian you better have a shopping cart related story here 
Uh, no, I don't have a shopping cart one. I do have another one that kind of um, it celebrates the the jank of that era where we're just kind of trying to preserve these very well-crafted buggies, um, but don't quite have like the know-how to lay up a full buggy ourselves or the, the resources or whatever, because again, you're not a massive organization. Um, so Zephyrus, like our second favorite buggy, although all our buggies are our favorite, but it started developing cracks at the base of the push bar, just kind of natural wear and tear. Composites do that from time to time. And we tried several times, like relaying it up um, with carbon fiber, but it wasn't quite sitting right or it'd keep cracking. Um, so instead, we had the idea to just replace the entire push bar with a two by four. Um, which we would still proudly remind people was still composite material and next gen. Um, but we kind of bolted it to the base. We sanded it. We painted it. It looked good. It just was a, was just a two by four push bar. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, it works. If it works, it works. It's, you know, Yeah. It is really, uh, it definitely is very uh, nostalgic to hear, you know, because like my wife actually drove Zephyrus, so it's just really nostalgic to hear things like that and be like, oh, wow, it, it, it's like our baby was cracking a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm sorry but... we broke it. We, we patched <laughs> together and it, we didn't quite have the, the Japanese teapot feel where we were able to repair it with gold, but. It, it had a, it had a good life. It, it, yeah. yeah. It had a good life. It's, that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, I think the last thing I like to ask just everyone, I know you've kind of answered this in roundabout ways, Josh, definitely. Um, but I always like to just ask people if they have a couple takeaways from buggy life lessons or things that were impactful or, or whatever kind of its legacy within their lives was. So um, if you want to just sound off on that for a couple minutes, then we'll uh, wrap this thing up. I don't know. Just keep pushing. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that, uh, Buggy, you know, in, in some ways, Buggy helped me figure out how to be an engineer. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, especially since I was, it was early in my, in my uh, career at school, you know, you know, I was learning the fundamentals at the time, right? You know, there was manufacturing engineering and there was statics and dynamics and, you know, I was still doing, you know, calculus and chemistry. I probably passed chemistry but you know um but you know it it was really that first look at you know how do you take a requirement and you know do that functional allocation and and you know turn it into something that's real and, and then have to go off and figure out how to fabricate and how to go source materials and and all of that kind of work so it was, it was really you know, a good, you know, first engineering project in some ways. You know, I'd say, you know, if I had to make a sound bite, I'd say the uh, nothing builds relationships like 4.30 in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays uh, and getting up with a group of people. And I'd say the camaraderie is just huge. Um, and I'd say that is true just broadly for Buggy. I think there's a certain camaraderie across organizations of just people that have gone through this and experienced it. Um, and then I can speak to it very, very personally. I think within AEPI, some of my closest bonds are, are brothers that were, that were, you know, equally as passionate going to this and that I, I bonded with early in those mornings. Um, I also, you know, was fortunate enough, you know, the, both of our drivers during my tenure, um, you know, one is, I, I've already alluded to, of course, my wife, but there's another who was actually, you know, my one of my closest friends uh, that I met as a freshman in mechanical engineering um, and came over to API and she was actually, I guess, technically our second driver after that first year, but that first driver, uh, you know, that really, you know, after that, that we really launched with and she stayed with us through, you know, where we were the same year. So our sophomore, junior and senior years, um, you know, and then, and then her sister actually picked up the, uh, the baton and became the next buggy driver at, you know, so when she graduated, my wife became the most senior and, and then her younger sister actually ended up, uh, getting the baton. And, and these are all, you know, to this day, I was, I literally 
texted her earlier today saying, hey, typical Josh fashion, I'm preparing last minute for something. Uh, any stories you want to remind me of from Bugsy? <laughs> uh, and, so, uh, you know, and these are relationships that, you know, I, I, I'm notoriously terrible for maintaining relationships from my past. Um, and and Buggy and, and some of the relationships I developed there are some of the the few bonds that I actually hold to this day, both from, you know, outside of API, but also within API. And it's very much thanks to, to Buggy. So, you know, again, nothing forms a, a camaraderie, forms relationships and camaraderie than 4.30 in the morning on the weekends. Yeah, I'd say both of those. Um, and in addition, nothing really helps you manage chaos like Buggy, uh, because even in perfect conditions, there's just way too many moving parts for people to really just keep track of and be in full control of, especially at 4.30 in the morning. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's figuring out kind of the limitations of what you and your team can do and figure out like what makes your team operate well. Is it, you know, spreadsheets kind of organizing everything? Is it scheduling is it you know do you need to take on less there was a time where a lot of our membership was more religious and we didn't actually have the crew to roll on on the sabbath so we just decided that we don't roll on shabbos for this year and yeah so figuring out when to go all hands on deck figuring out when to pull back and just kind of again embracing the fun of it because if you're if it's a slog, if it's something that you're looking forward to, that, that you're dreading instead of looking forward to, then then why do it? So keep things fun, keep things light. And at the end of the day, you could always just go home and make pancakes. Cool. Well, thank you all very much uh, for, for hanging out tonight. Uh, really interesting stuff. Really cool to just see how these kind of intertwine and, you know, similarities and differences and all that. Thank you for doing this. This has been uh, quite a blast from the past. And personally, I don't know about you, Jane Brian, it's been kind of exciting to hear the different perspectives over the years. I've not really had this opportunity. So it was great hearing from both of you as well. Yeah, ditto. Same.